Welcome, everybody, to the Chinchilla Pickin' Podcast. It is August the 25th, 2022. As always, we hope to be entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. My name is David Underwood, and as always, I am here with Brandon Beaver. Brandon, how are you? I'm doing all right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I tell you what, it is feeling like summer everywhere right now. The heat has finally hit all over the country, not just one part. You know what I love, like, is the fact that, like, a lot of the things that we say are going to happen, happen. But the problem is, is because we're so good at that, we cover the news events before they happen. So while they're happening, I'm like, this is slow news to us. Like, we've already covered this two or three weeks ago on the podcast. So, you know, nothing new this week. Um, So I had to go digging. And I found some cool stuff, so. So, you know, when you go digging, you end up finding like uh, pension plans in Japan and stuff. So it's it's not it's sometimes it's really cool. Well, we, we can see uh, where where you're headed with it. Um, yes, we uh, we already have covered all the news that's come out. Really, I mean, it's just really following up on certain points and talking about other points and so on and so forth. So, um, how about we get it? Uh, sounds like you want to get into it. So you know, we could just get right into it. Uh, rules, rules, rules. Brandon and I get together five to ten minutes before the show, and we tell each other what we're going to talk about. You actually hear the live discussion here on the show, no matter how much Brandon tries to talk about it beforehand. So without further ado, Brandon, go ahead and take the lead. What are we leading on? Are we going to lead on the companies that I, I, I covered today? Or are we going to lean on the uh, the depth to, to uh, GDP ratio that we, you were just talking about? Oh, man. Yeah, um, let, let's start with the companies. We'll end with the debt to GDP ratio because that that's that that could kind of go on for a while there. Okay, uh, let me close out of all. I, I want to get in depth on some companies before we move move into that that general overall economic talk. All right. Well, for that, I need to get my Clark Kent disguise on. Uh oh. That that's just you trying to be smart. That's what it is, guys. If you're not, if you're listening, he's just putting on glasses. He's trying to be cool. <laughs> so two companies reported earnings um, that are in the same you know line of industry: Dollar Tree and Dollar General. And one thing really popped out at me about Dollar Tree, and that was that the uh, the majority of new customers from them are coming from households with incomes of $80,000 a year or more. So Dave, I don't know. You tell me. Is that a good thing for the economy? I don't think it is. Not really cuz when we uh, they've uh, people at that higher income level like upper middle class and upper class typically don't like to go to Dollar Tree or or uh Dollar General or any or Walmart because they they, they kind of have that look down superiority on it. You know what I mean? You've seen the memes, you know, it's they have that signature look of superiority. And so for them to finally give in and do that means that they actually see that they need to do that financially. And so that's a scary, a scary uh, subject. Yeah. And and then just speaking of the macro economy, you just said that the debt is now two times GDP. And, I've you know, remember 10 years ago when we were less than uh, less than one times the GDP. So our debt was less than the GDP. And I remember looking at the other countries like Japan and 
and thinking, wow, look at, you know, two times GDP for their debt. That's insane. And, you know, they were going negative real interest rates at the, at that point in time. We just recently did that. Now we're trying to come out of it. And um, their inflation was out of control for a while too. It was wild. Yeah. And now we're just going, we're kind of going down the same route and for debt to be twice GDP. And you got to think about 10 years ago, the whole globe was still coming out of the 2007, 2008 housing crash. So, you know, you could say that maybe Japan back then had a little bit of a um, of a uh, excuse to be that far in debt. But uh, the United States right now, look, we've still got, you know, what is it, 3.6% unemployment right now? For debt to be twice GDP with 3.6% un uh, unemployment, that's just crazy. That's absolutely insane. It's bad management. It's think, bad think management. about what's going to happen if we do have a hard landing and a steep recession and we have to cut and we have to cut more stimulus checks. Well, not only, if you look at it from a business perspective, right? If the United States was a business and they're running at, you know, close to two times GDP on debt, right? The debt is two times GDP. Would that CEO still have a job next week? Not at all. No. No. But because we don't, we don't actually, we're, and, and I'm not saying it was just this recency, uh, the president or the president before. It's a combination of a lot of different things that have led us down to this road. It did not happen overnight, uh, but we here we are, uh, and you know, as it, we we got to take that consideration and and say, hey, government, you know, come on, it's our money, man. What's yeah. the velocity of a dollar? That's I mean, we talked about this on the show before. Um, our our friend and uh, who's helped out on the show a couple times and Brandon erased one of his shows, Nick Young. He thought he brought up the velocity of a dollar. Yeah. So what is the velocity of a dollar? What that is, is you take a dollar bill fresh, you know, right away, first circulated. How many times can we spend that dollar before it goes down to zero? Because every time you spend that dollar, it gets taxed a little. You pay tax on goods and services. So how many times can you spend that dollar before it goes down to zero? And that's the velocity of a dollar. If a velocity dollar gets less and less before it goes down to zero, that's not good. And so you got people, you know, $80,000 or more shopping at uh, Dollar Tree, apparently in Big Groves. But out of the two companies right now, preferably, I would go with Dollar General. I don't own Dollar General. I didn't buy it or anything like that. But I did find some interesting stats on Dollar General when I was looking at it. Um, but first of all, there's more Dollar Generals in the United States than there are McDonald's. Their strategy is that they like to target rural areas that are far away from big box stores, so there's little to no competition. And it's also kind of low-income areas, you know, so... You go down to an area, maybe here in Ohio, we've got like 900 of them um, in Ohio, and there's like 1,700 or something like that of these stores in Texas. And generally speaking, they're very strategically placed across the street from a Dollar General. You might see like a church, and then um, right next to it might be a big farm field, whatever. It, it's, it's almost always like what looks like it's in the middle of nowhere but it's very strategically placed in areas where people don't have other opportunities to shop there's not you know many walmarts or anything like that around them and it's also low-income areas but they brought in over 34 billion dollars in revenue last year now the the margin on that's fairly narrow but that's kind of their business strategy is to sell a lot for a little 31 billion dollars in operating expenses 
but they've had 30 straight years of revenue growth. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, um, uh, just a side note. You're saying that, uh, you know, they're they're planting these stores in rural areas where, you know, most of the time are low income. Um, you know, farmers aren't really that low of income when you when you if you so. I went to college in Texas. We said y'all out there. So out there, we had a business math class I took in, in college. It was my second year. And we were done with the semester. We were all done. Everybody just finished the final. And one of the the guys of the ag club, the agriculture club, we call them the Aggies. One of the Aggie guys went on the board and we, we started doing some business math for a farmer of a typical farm and how much you could make based off the going price of different uh things going on there so i want i want people to have a respect for farmers and that they are running multi-million dollar businesses and they are that's their revenue now their net is actually ends up only being about you know at that time we worked out about a hundred thousand dollars but they're they're having the to manage all that and still come out with a net because if they're off by like one decimal they're broke um and that's why that's why, uh, you know, a lot of people have said, you know, farmers, it's like, yeah, they got to have some some savings and wiggle room because one bad year could really break them. But so they're not always in that lower income, but the rural areas. Yes, I, yeah. I, I understand that. So 30 straight years of revenue growth. I didn't know this, including the covid pandemic. And 2020 and 2021. On average, they opened two new stores in the United States per day. Yeah. Wow. So wow. Um, now, Dollar General is starting to try to target higher income companies with Dollar General Market, which is like a full service grocery area. So normally, if you go into a regular Dollar General, you get a lot of dry goods, things that have longer shelf lives and, um, and, and higher margin as a result. There's not really, you know, any refrigerated goods. But with the Dollar General Market, they kind of added in the... Um, refrigerated goods and stuff like that and in higher income places they're putting in what's called dj or dgx and that's sort of like their higher uh i don't want to say quality but higher costs produce and stuff like that that's going into like i think they said like nashville which makes sense for them um and, and bigger cities where you know more affluent people tend to live a little bit of history on them. I, I found the founding history for Dollar General would be very interesting. So Dollar General began in 1939. It was a family-owned business. It was called J.L. Turner and & Son, and it was started in Scottsville, Kentucky. James Luther Turner was the father. Cal Turner was the son. And then in 1902, let, let just give you a, a little bit more of a backstory on this. James was only 11 when his father died. He had to quit school in order to work the family farm and to support his family. He tried two times to open up retail stores and failed both times before he finally hit the, the J.L. Turner and Son name in 1938 and then became a success. He, prior to that, had become a traveling dry goods salesman for a Nashville wholesale grocer, and he brought a son along with him when he was doing that. And then he also brought his son after he left that job and he started to buy up and liquidate bankrupt general stores. And this was during the Great Depression. So his son had a lot of business experience. 
his son Cal was his only son, but um, Cal had, had accompanied him on all these business ventures and stuff like that. And this is where he learned business. So in October of 1939, James and Cal opened up J.L. Turner and Son, and they did it with only an initial investment of $10,000. By the time the 1950s came around, they were doing an annual sales of more than $2 million. And by the mid-1950s, they had 35 department stores in Kentucky and Tennessee. So pretty good growth there, especially from a guy who had to quit school when he was 11 years old. Now, in 1955, Cal, the son, developed this idea of a retail store that would be selling things just for a dollar. And he got that idea because there were department stores all around the area and in the United States doing what were called dollar days promotions, and they were very popular. So he opened up his first dollar general store in 1955. In 1964, his father died, left him to be the successor. And in 1968, Cal Turner took over. So in 1968, the public, uh, the company went public as Dollar General with annual sales of over $40 million. In 1977, Cal Turner Jr. inherited the company from his father. And he led the company until 2002. And he grew the company to over 6,000 stores with $6 billion in sales. Now, fast forward today. From 2002, when they had 6,000 stores with $6 billion in sales, today they have more than 18,000 stores in 47 states, and they're looking at about a $33 billion revenue. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Gross I, profit, I, and this is this was, was a surprising thing to me, too. Gross profit is 32.3%. Same store sales growth in the uh, most recent quarter was 4.6%, and that was above the 3.5% consensus. Uh, EPS came in at the most recent quarter for $2.98, which was five cents above expectations, and revenue nearly exceeded analysts' estimates of $9.4 billion. Nice. I mean, these are all good solid numbers are you are you looking at this as a company to possibly own are you looking at this as something with a bright future you know where where are you going with this so i still think it's got a bright future i think that this company will do better in a recession than any other company um they've done phenomenal with their balance sheet the margins are are still very thin when you look at the net margins only about six percent Still doing better than Target, by the way, but six percent—that's you know—that's not really much to work with. But when you're selling the amount of product that they sell, they're still making a lot of money, right? So right now, I'm looking at a company that's got a price-to-earnings ratio of I think it was like 28 or 29 the last time I saw it. So. It seems to me like a lot of investors had the same thought process I did when I first pulled the company up to look at it. Like, you know, we may be entering in a deep recession. Should I buy Dollar General? I think a lot of other people had that thought process and they've driven the share price up right now to uh, levels that I think are too expensive for me to buy. Whoa, hold up. So I got to interrupt you there. I was just looking at the stock price. The stock price is pretty flat for this year. So it hasn't been driven up. There's one dip down for a very short, less than a month period, a few weeks. 
where it took a drastic drop down and drastic jump right back up. Besides but, that, besides that, it's pretty flat, man. It's between 250 and 260 all year. For the year. Okay, hold on. I'm pulling it up real, too, uh, real quick, too. So, DG. So, I mean, that's what I'm seeing as far as far as that goes. So, and, and as so far as PEs, let, hold on. So as far on, as PEs my, go like that, there, here we let, go, talking over each other. You go first. Let me get my point across, okay? They're up 5.67% for the year. That's not much, but when you look at the S&P 500 being down 8%, investors are buying this company more than they are buying most other companies in the S&P 500. All right, I'll give you that. But like when, when I look at PEs, you got to look at PEs and compared to where everybody was pre-big drop. So go back to like March, right? When we started to slide down. Look at the PEs of a lot of these companies back then. And this is one I'm going to talk about later, which is NVIDIA, right? Mm-hmm. NVIDIA in March had a PE of 50. And that was when it was well over 200. It was like 280, 270. Uh, NVIDIA right now, 170, has a PE of 50. Some of these PEs are staying the same, even though the stock is sliding and it's due to the environment we're in of inflation, number one. And number two, it's the uh, economic output for uh, outlook outlook for those companies. Yeah, well, earnings are coming down. That's why. That's why the PE is staying the same, because earnings are coming down with the price. This company, their earnings aren't coming down. And a lot of companies, you can look and say, well, the PE looks, you know, might be a little bit low or whatever, because, uh, you know, they, they did so well during the pandemic. Or it might be too high because... You know, the company did really bad during the pandemic. Well, this company did really well. And the PE to me for retail right now, especially with a company that's been around since, you know, really 1938. If you look at the parent count company, the price earnings ratio being at about 26, still too high for me. And I think that when people panic, if we go into a deep recession, they're going to sell everything. It's not going to, you know, they're going to be in, it will be indiscriminate selling. And I think this will probably be one of them because the price to earnings ratio, it's a bit high. They're saying in the next year, they'll go 10 to 11%, which is really good for an established company. But a PE of 25 in retail in this atmosphere, even for a company that's still growing sales, I don't see as, uh, I don't see it justified. So this is one of those companies I put on my watch list as a wish list, right? You, you, some people have those Amazon wish lists that they're going to save up and buy. This is one of those I'm going to wait for a deal on. And if I don't get it, then fine. But you know what? Warren Buffett, he's uh, he has uh, been very famous for putting companies on his watch list and having them there for like 20 years before he bites. Right. And, and I agree with you. Have a watch list of stuff that you're watching and you're waiting for the opportunity to get in. I believe that we are going to have the opportunity coming up sooner than later. And I believe is when these inflation numbers come out and they're not dropping another 1% like we all are being told that it's going to drop and it doesn't happen. Then I, I believe there's going to be what you call an indiscriminate selling. And that means that the, the Fed's going to be forced to do a minimum of a 75 basis point uh, rate hike. And if they don't do that, you know, and, and the inflation number comes out and it's as bad as I believe in it will be. Then I, I, the next time they're gonna have to do a full basis point. Yeah. Uh. Well. Uh, well, I don't remember his first name. Bullard from the Federal Reserve. You know, what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. I, I did. I saw him on TV today. Yes. Rates are, rates are too low. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with him. Well, rates are too low, but the Fed's been saying that. Then 
the thing that's gotten people really happy is the feds are saying they're going to slow down their rate hikes. They want to get up to a certain point. So they, they, everybody on the fed agrees that they're too low. It's just about how fast you get there and how high you go. Yeah. Um, and Bullard, I believe is one of the ones that wants to go higher than what everybody else wants to go in order to really tame this economy. But Taming the economy uh, probably not as easy as 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 that goes because people, I, I believe that a large percentage of the American consumer market here is believing that they're getting bigger paychecks and so they want to spend that money, and it's it's not not having the economic understanding that you're also your bills are getting higher as well. Like I uh, my I'll give an example just personally my internet bill went up by twenty five bucks this month without any kind of uh, forward notice to myself they just sent out the new bill I looked at it I said why they go up I called them on it they said well it's just the increase in costs to us we have to pass that on to you I'm like are you kidding me you didn't even tell us or nothing no forewarning just twenty five bucks more luckily I can afford it but at the same time there's a lot of people out there that that might make them want to rethink yeah. their internet you know or cut their cable or something who knows Dollar Tree should be called Dollar Twenty Five Tree because. For the longest time, one of their gimmicks was that 20% of their products were only $1 or less. Well, they raised that to $1.25. Right, yes. Like the Arizona tea, it's $1 what, 19 now or $1.09 instead of 99 cents? You know, inflation hits everywhere, man. I mean, that's that's just the way how it works. Yeah. Can't, can't get $10 of gas won't even start your car. I think we can start a country song about this or something. Uh, that's is that where we headed? Are we writing a country we're song right a now? Country song right now. That that's what we're doing. All right, all right. What's Ally next? Financial. So I want to give you something for the soft landing, right? In case we have a soft landing here, which I, I do not believe we're gonna have unless we change things drastically over the next month. I don't see that happening. So I I, I don't. It's. No, me either. You really, you really have to conquer inflation, and you have to go hard at it when it's at nine percent. But Ally Financial is a diversified financial services firm. It services automotive dealers and their retail customers. It operates as a holding company and a bank holding company, meaning that they buy other companies that engage in these businesses. Auto loans are the majority of it, and they've got a. Consistent track record of increasing dividends over the past five years, which I like. In the second quarter of 2022, Ally Financial had the highest quarterly origination since 2006. And what an origination is in financial terms, that is um, the step, the multi-step process that you have to go through to obtain a home loan or an auto loan, for example. And they've got the highest uh, amount since 2006 in quarter two. Consumer auto originations grew to $13.3 billion. Right now, this could be considered just a pure value play. I mean, the price-to-earnings ratio is at a 5.1%. Price-to-sales is at 1.22%. Price-to-books at 0.97%. And the dividend is at 3.45%. In Berkshire Hathaway's recent filing, they disclosed that they bought more of Ally Financial as well as um, Paramount Global and Activision. So I say that this is a soft landing play because if we go into a hard landing and have a super bad recession, that's going to hit autos really hard. And you might be you might be buying this company as auto sales, at least for now, 
peak and you don't want to do that. So, but the price book and price to earnings and price to sales are all really, really good. So that's uh, it's probably the reason why Warren Buffett bought this company. And I do think it is a good value. I just want to say, man, I, I the fact that he bought more Activision. Yeah, <laughs> I know you're talking about Ally Financial, and all I heard out of that was he bought more Activision. Um, <laughs> tells me I really think that deal is going to go through, and it's just taking forever for that deal to close. Number one, I think that the deal will go through, and that's why he bought more of it. But number two, instead of buying more Activision, I think Warren Buffett would generally like to pick up another company instead. But I think he used this Activision Microsoft deal as safe and maybe the rest of the market, not so much. And I agree. I agree with that. Um, Ally though, the numbers you ran show a strong company, microeconomic, strong company. Um, are they, I, I don't like the fact that they don't have any physical banks. Um, they're all virtual. Um, they, 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 credit that as part of like this is how we save money we're all virtual yeah yep. a lot of people like banks they like to walk into a bank and do banking and and handle things that way it's i i guess they're catering to a younger generation or a different group of people that are wanting to go all online in order to save money yeah and with an auto loan that's actually probably more um convenient anyways but anyways Ally Financial is now down 31% for the year. So, I mean, maybe they are already pricing in that steep recession. You know, I mean, you could buy this right now and probably hold it for another 10 years and be just fine. Yeah, if you're holding it for 10 years. But a lot of people nowadays, with when they're coming into investing in stock trading, they don't have that patience. They, they want the million dollars next month. And they want to trade. And right now, I would say if you're gonna if you're gonna be trading and not investing, I would say hold off because we're about to have a period once some numbers come out. I believe this is my personal belief, you know, where uh, it, it's it it's gonna have some indiscriminate selling, like you said, Brandon. Now I'll, I'll go on record and say, look, I've been wrong about things before. I was wrong about DD, but I, I explained how to uh, DD Global uh, last fall. Mm-hmm. And uh, but the whole time that I was wrong about that, I was explaining how to get out of it and squeak out a small little profit, which I eventually did. And I was explaining that to people. But I've been wrong about other things before. You know, am I wrong about the indiscriminate selling that's going to happen, I believe, in October? No, I, I don't think so, man. I was wrong about China and I was wrong to tell people to not get into energy. But in my defense, I told people to get into consumer staples and they've outperformed this year. And I also told people three months ago to buy a Well, Maybe it was two months ago to buy us steel and it's up like 30 percent since i called it a buy so if our wins are beating out our losses the way that they have been then i think we're we're doing just fine yeah and like uh, when we had mark on the show he explained how we we helped them and we had much way more wins than we had losses and he ended up with a profit over that three months that we helped him out um but yeah, I do like to acknowledge my losses though publicly, so people don't think I'm just spouting out here all my wins all day long. I'm like, no, I've been wrong before. DD Global was a huge wrong for me, but I, you know, I managed to lower cost average and uh, get out of it. Now I'm gonna give you one that you could buy right now, and you know, a few years from now you'll be just fine. So this isn't a hard landing. This isn't a soft landing kind of thing. This is just a you could probably do it right now, and you'll be just fine. Uh, Paramount Global. This is another one that uh, Warren Buffett just bought. Price to earnings ratios, 5.5%. Price to sales, 0.5%. Price to book, 0.74%. 
the stock's been beaten down because of the whole streaming situation. Uh, they have no problems with paying their debt. Their debt to equity ratio is just fine. Uh, they've become very efficient in recent years. We all remember the problems that CBS and Viacom had and the sexual harassment claims against Les Moonves and, and all the things that really plagued the CBS company and Viacom and, and the fights they had, the split up they had, and then the getting back together. But this new company, Paramount Global, is much better and it's on such solid ground at this moment in time in my opinion you're going to look at the the streets uh report on this and and even cfra with negative marks saying don't buy it hold it i completely disagree i am on warren buffett's side here that price to earnings ratio 5.5 percent price to book and price to sales this this is just a great value um, it's not one of the, one of the greatest companies ever by any means, but it's one of the best values that's out on the market right now. Just give you a little history here real quick. As I like to do, Paramount Pictures was founded in 1912. It was called the Famous Players Film Company. CBS was founded in 1927 and Paramount Pictures had a 49% ownership stake in it until 1932. And eventually they just completely took it over. So on February 15th, the reason why we're calling it Paramount Global and not CBS Viacom anymore is during a presentation, two investors, Viacom CBS, announced that it would change its names to Paramount Global beginning the following day. And this was in a memo to staff announcing the change. And they said that this was an iconic global name and it would reflect who we are, what we aspire to be, and all that we stand for. And now they're just referring to themselves uh, simply as Paramount. Berkshire Hathaway now has a $2.6 billion stake. If nice. I buy anything right now, it's, pro it's probably going to be Paramount Global. And maybe I am partial to this because my biggest vice on television is Big Brother. <laughs> you know, I watched a few seasons of that when it first came out. It was kind of cool, but I haven't watched it in a while. It's better now. Well. All right, so you're 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 thinking that's a buy. Yep. All right. Yeah, it's, Fair good enough. it's a good value. I'd I mean, the it. numbers you, you spouted off sound sound good and appealing. I would have to take a deeper look into it before I would purchase it myself. I, I don't really trade or invest in media companies too much. Kind of stay away from that sector. Um I, I just never understand it's it's hard because they gotta work out the deals with the shows and then the deals with the advertising and make it all work out and that's just a yeah, that's a trick. That's you know I like it better when I got a product and here's what I'm selling it for. That's yeah. more simpler to me. Listen, and I'm, maybe like, I'm a simple guy. It's not product that they're pushing out is actually mostly stuff that they own. I mean they own uh, channel. I mean I think it's like 130 uh, channels all across the globe that they own, including Nickelodeon, uh, MTV, BET, all kinds of channels. I mean obviously CBS. Um, so there's a lot that they own that they have on there. I think SpongeBob SquarePants is now on Paramount because they own Nickelodeon. So, and they had a huge hit with uh, Top Gun recently this past year. So, yeah, yeah. that also helped their uh, overall revenue. Cool. Don't buy AMC though. No, don't buy AMC. I mean, we've said that many times here. Don't buy AMC. Ryan Cohen might say he's going to buy it just to drive up the price and then sell it. <laughs> Ryan Cohen. Oh, anyways. Well, serious <laughs> bankruptcy problems. Bed Bath & Beyond just secured a loan that will hope, hopefully finance their debt, but oh, who knows. 
Yeah. What else you got, Brandon? That's all I got. Cool. Um, I I know I know you 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 stole my thunder that I said we were gonna save on the GDP till the end, and you started going into it. Uh, I I don't like where the overall economy is at. I don't like that we are not fixing our inflation problem that we're adding to it. Um, I have a text I sent to Brandon um, in the evening two days ago, and I said because I want to quote it, so I wanted to save it. So I'm gonna quote this. Um. So according to a recent, and this is off a CNBC article, so I'm just going to read it. According to a recent analysis from the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, the $10,000 forgiveness plan, which some of some of it's $20,000, uh, would undermine the recently passed Inflation Reduction Act by consuming nearly 10 years of deficit reduction and wipe out disinflationary benefits. And so that's saying that it's going to completely wipe out any disinflationary benefits that we would have had uh, under the uh, Inflation Reduction Act and also uh, current rate cuts. And so that, that that's – and that was an article by CNBC. There, there really was, weren't any benefits from the Inflation but, Reduction Act that is just so terribly named. But it, it, nonetheless, my point is everything's pointing towards this is not – we're not solving our problems. No. Inflation is going to still stay high, and until the economy slows down and brings inflation down, it's just going to continue to get worse. And that is what I'm afraid of, and that's why I'm thinking that you know, hold off. We all took our profits recently. I know we, I came on the show two weeks ago, and I was like, "Hey, I'm starting to take profits. I'm taking profits, and we're doing well. We continue to take profits whenever we're profitable." Hold off, put it in cash because the market's going to go down again. And that's when you want to start looking at opportunities to buy. And then you buy in slowly. So let's say I want to break this down for you. So when you do start buying, you do it correctly. Let's say you have $1,000, right? And you know the market's going down, but it's going to continue to go down. But you want to start building a position. You start with $100 a week and you put it in there and you build that position slowly because you know the market's going to continue to go yeah. down. And all on call, call options for GameStop. All on call, yes. <laughs> all on call options for GameStop. There you go. But okay. I mean, I, I I don't know, man. When I, When I look at the total economic numbers, I see a hard land like you do. So that means that we're going to see more job cuts at companies. We're going to see continued uh, hiring freezes. Uh, you're going to see more people taking jobs they really don't like and sticking with jobs they really don't like. But, you know, they have to keep those income levels at where they're at. And so they have to do this. You're going to see more and more people taking two jobs. So I don't see I don't believe you're going to see the unemployment number rise that much. I believe it's going to stay right where it's at. I believe people are just going to be settling for these jobs, like again, this is not the first time I said this, Brandon. I've been saying it now for about two months that that's why the unemployment number is not going up is because people are settling and taking whatever job they can get. And do you think for a second that the student loan forgiveness is going to stop these partially government backed banks from handing out hundreds of thousands of dollars to 18 year olds? that think that their only way to get through life is to go through a four-year college? Uh, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go down that road. I really don't. I'm going to avoid that question. Um, I am going to say that, you know, as from a business and economic standpoint, um, I don't believe it's, it's wise spending. um, But 
you know, I, I look at this as a negative to the overall economy. And so thus I'm going to play my investments based off. I believe the economy is going to, the overall market's going to take in a, a drop in the next 30 days. Dave, you're reeling me in. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying you're, you're going off there. So, uh, but, uh, Yes, uh, the overall economy will take a drop. I'm very, very negative on that. But as as to when it will happen, I think it, we have to wait for actual numbers to come out before we, before people really do that indiscriminate selling. I believe you have to. We got to wait for inflation numbers to come out. Got to wait for the you know GDP number to be you know come out again. Be awful. Once we start seeing three quarters of negative GDP, and th- th- you can't deny the recession at that point. I believe we are in a recession. Um, I, I believe we have to do things to get out of it. In, in, in the, I don't want to say the administration, but everybody that's in, in the government right now, um, Jerome Powell, who I think has been a little bit more honest about it, even Janet Yellen, and he, even Joe Biden, we'll just say it. They could really come out and say, listen, the only way to conquer inflation and to not have another 1970s style uh, economic cat- catastrophe really is to have a small recession right now. It, it, it people would really understand that. Like you have to fight inflation so that, you know, for the next 10 years, we don't become Zimbabwe. Right. It, it's a righteous fight. It There's nothing wrong with it. But the fact of the matter is we have to have it. We have to have a small recession. And if we get to 5% unemployment, that's not bad for a recession. You know, it may go higher than that, but that's not bad. There you go. I got too political. I'm sorry, Dave, but you know, I think those companies that, that I just mentioned, I, I do think that they're they're still um, good buys, good value plays. Uh, I Ally found Financial, I would still hold off on just in case there is a hard fall for the economy coming. And uh, you know, it does worry me when you see that we are now twice our GDP in debt, and could we be ha- heading for what's called a balance sheet recession? And and what that would entail is basically. We go into a recession. There's no money left for uh, for stimulus. Interest rates are already at real, uh, you know, real interest rates are already negative. So how do you lower them already than what they are? And, and by the way, inflation right now at 9%, if that doesn't come down and we have stagflation, which is inflation mixed with a recession, then how do you lower interest rates in that environment to try to fight? A recession. You don't. You just have to dig the economy deeper into a recession to get out of it. So my final thought <laughs> is, uh, uh, I will say, look, I, I was touting Nvidia as a great buy uh, earlier this year and a great investment. I still hold it in my long term portfolio play. Uh, that's that's always the classification I've given for Nvidia. Um, However, I, I will say that uh, if you're listening right now, I would not tell you to to uh, man. I, it just hurts me, Brandon. This hurts me. I've been a Nvidia bull for almost a decade now, and I w- I would say just hold off. I'm still hold I'm off. still an Nvidia bull too. The thing is, is I, I would say hold off. The semiconductor stocks have separated themselves into two different categories. The semiconductors uh, stocks that are dealing with automotives are doing really well. And the ones that are in gaming aren't because gaming has slowed down since people went back to work. They're spending all their money on travel. I expect that to normalize. I think people will come back to gaming. And I think that there's a big future in gaming. So I I even say right now, look, if you've got a 10 to 20 year time horizon, NVIDIA is still probably a good deal. 
I think people in gaming are looking for something new. They're tired of like Call of Duty 10 and Halo 20 and um, Grand Theft Auto 15. You know, people, we, we want something new. It, yeah, is there no creativity a- in the gaming world? We, You and I both know uh, people in the gaming world at some of these bigger companies. I'm not going to name names or call anybody out here on the show because I don't want to do that. There, there are acquaintances. But, I mean, come on, guys. Let's, let's get a little creative. Can yeah. we get something new? Yeah. You know? It's been light since the since the uh, um, pandemic because of supply shortages and stuff like that. And Sony's having to raise the price of the PlayStation 20% in other countries. Other than the United States, they're not doing it here for some reason, but they're doing it in Canada and across Asia and Latin America. So, uh, you know, the price of the PlayStation 5 may come up here in the United States eventually as well. Um but there's just not that many games to offer right now. And Take-Two Interactive just a year ago was saying that the pipeline was full, but I really haven't seen that other than their NBA and WWE it's games. It's Red Dead 3. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, no, probably not for another six years because they're going to spend all of their time updating and making money off of the current Red Dead online that still exists, just like they did for, you know, 10 years for uh, Grand Theft Auto uh, 5. But right. Grant GTA six will be coming out probably in the next year and a half. So, so the, guys, I, I know you guys didn't come listen to our show to listen to us complain about the gaming industry and the gaming pipeline, but I'm just saying that this is what I'm looking for. That's what's really hurting Nvidia is the lack. I believe is the the lack of new uh, product out there but in if, the gaming but if, industry. But if it's going to turn around, then maybe they got beat down too much. There you go. All right, guys, um, that's all I have. We're not going to give Brandon any more time to speak. So we thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please hit the subscribe button. And as always, we hope we've been entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. Have a good night. Have a good night.